countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. General matey! We have stolen a small Imperial shuttle, disguised as a Star Wars movie review, and using a Darth Vader comic series. A strike team will land on podcasting services and bring more Star Wars fans under the comic book tent. Sounds dangerous. I wonder who they got to pull that off. General Larson, is your strike team assembled? Uh, the, the comic book's ready. I don't have a command crew for the uh, podcast. No, I knew it was going to be rough, pal. I didn't want to speak for you. That's one! Uh, host with the most, count me in. I'm with you too! Wait, I'm with you too! <laughs> I'm with you too! Oh man, what a great start! That's a two! Does that, does that mean I, we get Bono and the Edge and right. Larry Clayton? And the other guys? I too am Bono with you. and the Edge and Carl and Rick. Oh, welcome back to the last comic shop in the beginning of Movie Mayhem. May the fourth be with you. I think a couple days earlier than what it was. But any case, yeah, it's all Star Wars this week. May the fourth is this week. It is official Star Wars Day. And I'm the host with the most, Danny Larson. A huge Star Wars fan. I'm joined by two of my favorite folks that talk Star Wars with. That's my cousin J.A. Scott. Uh, J.A. favorite Star Wars character. Still Han Solo even after all these years? Oh yeah. Still Han Solo. Or <laughs> Han Solo. Han. You say Han, Han or Han? Han? It's Han. Not if you're Lando. Right. Lando says it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> only his best friend i've also got mikey wood on today's program another huge star wars fan mikey yeah. favorite star wars character oh heck pop blue the ewok no <laughs> i don't know honestly you know what like old school before they screwed it up boba fett when he was just that mysterious guy who nodded his head twice and had like 10 lines of dialogue he was badass. Like when you, when we were kids, like he was like the thing. Oh yeah, that action so, figure was like the yeah. bee's knees. Yeah. Like I don't he know. He wasn't the clone. He wasn't any of that nonsense. He was just super cool. So you're essentially a, a Jason Wingreen Boba Fett. Oh man, they had a name for him too. That they, they they I remember the first time they ever showed Boba Fett without a helmet on, it was actually card art in Star Wars cards. Yeah, him and Snake Eyes would just fight for supremacy on who was the coolest guy on the on the playground. <laughs> Any case, some guy that likes GI Joe and not so much Star Wars is Chad Smith. But Chad, we like to have you on these shows. Oh, thanks, pal. <laughs> I don't know, be that guy that's like not so fan wanky. <laughs> There you go. You found one. What do you have a favorite Star Wars character? Um, I like the uh, the Rancor handler guy, the guy without the yes. shirt and the big fat hat. <laughs> That's right. Because I was able to use him for Kingpin customs and old school Brian Bendis before he lost all the weight. <laughs> oh, Lordy, sounds That's right. Like there was a, like the kids. The kids at home they don't know this, but there was this window of time for us old people where. After Return of the Jedi, there was nothing. We had nothing except for two Ewok TV movies. No, no, we had the droids cartoon show. The droids cartoon show isn't that terrible. The droids cartoon is awesome, actually. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, but for a while there, there was precious little until Dark Horse started publishing comics again in the early 90s. And and that's not what we're talking about tonight. No, it's not. But we are talking about comic books, as you may know. Um, during Movie Mayhem, we always like to pair 
a comic book and a movie that's either adapted from that comic book or involves the characters from that comic book. So long story short, I really have wanted for a really long time to read the Darth Vader series, the original one that came out right after Marvel got the license back. But luckily for us, also this year is the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. So later on in this program, you're going to get our review of Return of the Jedi 40 years too late. It's the uh, what anniversary of the special edition, which is the one only one you can get these days. Not true, not true, and we'll talk about that when we That's get right. to it. Oh, are we That's getting right. specialized, despecialized? Oh, There's a third one out oh. there? If you can find it. Yeah. So let's get to that comic book review. Uh, we'd like to do that first on the show. So uh, they call this Darth Vader Volume 1. Because, uh, again, I don't think there was a Darth Vader comic book at Dark Horse or... I know there was definitely not one in the Marvel when they had the original license back in the 80s. But who did this one, Chad? Well, this book was written by Kieran Gillen with art from Salvador La Roca. Edgar Delgado was the colorist. And you had VC's Joe Caramagna on letters. Yes. We're only doing volume one. So it's the first six issues of this series. Uh, before we get into the 10 cent synopsis, one of the best things about this series, if you've never read it, is it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. I think it runs 25 issues in total. It's a complete story, and it happens between uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so the Death Star is just blown up and everything, but I'm not going to get too much into the 10 cents synopsis. That's J.A.'s job. So, J.A., what happens in the first six issues of this Darth Vader series? Well, it'll be an 8 cent synopsis, because you already gave 2 cents away. <laughs> that was going to lead with that, that it, this takes place right after uh, the destruction of the first Death Star. The Emperor essentially blames Darth Vader for allowing the Death Star to blow up and sort of also notes, well, you got away, so... I guess it worked out for you. It was an inside so job. Uh, so Vader is very much on a down trowel in the eyes of the Emperor, while General Tog is being elevated and, and is pushing the fleet, which is, that sort of reminds me of some of the things they played with with Rebels. Similar to General Thrawn's TIE Defenders, you know, fleet is better than one giant, massive boondoggle of a military expense that has a tiny little exhaust port. There's no way a station that big could have such a small exhaust port. Okay, I don't I know, man. I I'm a pretty big guy, and my exhaust port's pretty small. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, so they blame Darth Vader for all of this, so they right? they blame Darth Vader for that. So he is trying to get back into the Emperor's good graces, but at the same time, he's got this side hustle. He's trying to figure out the Force-sensitive starfighter pilot that blew up the Death Star, i.e. Luke. And to do that, he's flying around behind the Emperor's back in his old Naboo cruiser that him and Padme used to get it on in. <laughs> And enlisting a droid army, so we get, you know, mm. some nice throwbacks to Geonosis, and uh, this is also the first appearance of Dr. Aphra and the two murder bots. One is an astromech, one is a protocol droid. Not just a protocol droid, but uh, he knows all the languages and torture. And the other one, instead of being an astromech, is a blastomech. <laughs> Designed for killing Murdoch stuff. <laughs> Right. I mean, to, to paraphrase Roger Rabbit, I'm not bad. I was just programmed this way. That's right. Uh-huh. Or to quote the uh, protocol droid, ha ha ha, 
you were on fire and also dead. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are fabulous. They're they are the breakout characters. I, it's oh, it's really fabulous. hard for me to say whether or not Dr. Apra, who I, I've read a lot of her books afterwards. She's not only now in comic books, but she's got novels out there. I'm waiting yeah. for her to appear in some sort of live action Disney. It's going to happen. Like it's, it, it, yeah. it's just, it's just a matter of time. But um, yeah, it's it's either her or the murder droids. And that's the thing. And that's where I'm going to start off with my initial thoughts is why I love this series so much is because Darth Vader is not a bad guy in this. He's an anti-hero, but he's not a bad guy. And they set that up from issue one, because what do they do? They have Darth Vader kind of like saving the cat and fighting Jabba the Hutt in a situation where we against a guy we know is a bad guy. And then from there, he's being picked on by the Emperor, another bad guy. He's on the other side of that. He has to take orders from some schmuck that was just one of those round tables. And then on top of that, they give him all of the anti-hero versions of Luke's friends, right? They give him his C-3PO. Mm-hmm. They give him an R2-D2. They give him a Wookiee and... Uh, Black Chrysanthemum. Black yeah. Uh, they even give him like a plucky female to hang out with and Dr. Afra instead of like Leia. Like, you well, know, she's so like it's Solo and Leia. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. she dresses yeah. like Han Solo. Right. I was going to say mm-hmm. they also give him Boba Fett, who's kind of like his Han Solo. You know, that mercenary guy. You mean Han Solo. Han! Han Solo. But in any case, that's why I love this book so much because I, I love Darth Vader. I like Dr. Doom. He's one of my favorite characters in fiction, and I like rooting for him. Right. A guy who, who destroyed Alderaan a billion lives, snuffed out. That was Tarkin. He was just there. Well, you know, the, what's cool about the series is that it adds an extra layer to Vader. You know, he's he's a bad guy, and then in Empire Strikes Back, you learn he's a bad guy with a secret. And then in Return of the Jedi, he is a bad guy who redeems himself, you know. So there's this arc there, but this just adds like an extra, extra layer to him where you almost see a little, I mean, it's not a lot. He's, you said he's a good guy. He's not a good guy. He's the protagonist of this particular story, but he's still an evil person they just do a really really good job of giving him that extra layer without compromising what the character was before because he's you know he shows up and people are terrified of him i mean like and afra even though she's a smart ass and everything she's terrified of him too but she gives him a little bit of a what for and he almost kind of respects it sort of i love that scene with afra she's like i know you're gonna kill me so when you do it uh just go with the uh, lightsaber to the neck yeah Uh, yeah i really don't want to be sucked out into space (laughs) Uh, That was cool. But no, I was going to mention too, Mikey, is one of the things they do really well with is whenever he has one of those pivotal decisions, they'll give you a flashback page with moments, you know, from the movie trilogies and they're mixing, you know, the prequel trilogy as as well as the regular movie trilogy and all these different moments as Darth Vader is putting all these things together. And it really does help the audience to empathize for this guy. Or I just go back to uh, Zhang Heath. And uh, Wreck-It Ralph, he's like, just because we're bad guys doesn't mean we're bad guys. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, and yeah, books like this almost make me like the prequels. Like, they almost do. Oh. Yeah, when they like do it. have, I love those callbacks. Uh, even in first issue when he's on Tatooine, uh, you know, he's talking to somebody and you don't know what's going on off camera. And then it tilts over. He's in the middle of a sand person camp that he's just obliterated. He still hates them. The Tusken Raiders, 
get no love. <laughs> None. I don't know. I, I feel like this is also taps into that whole notion of Darth Vader's a, a space gangster. It, it appeals to me in the same way that why I enjoyed watching The Sopranos, right? Tony Soprano was an asshole. Like, he was a terrible, terrible person. Like, kills people, whatever. But he's the protagonist of that show. And to Mikey's point, because they give him a little bit of the layering, because they put him against people that are genuinely even worse, it's hard to not to be like, okay, well, I'm going to root for this guy because, at the very least, he's got the good one-liners. And I, I can get behind that. And and that and that's the nice thing about this. Kieran Gillen really does allow Anakin to kind of bleed out to the surface more than you see in any other Darth Vader series. Like it's more of like that cocky kind of brash. It's tempered, but you can still see that kind of smartass Anakin underneath. I don't know, Jay. What do you think? Yeah, I think it, it was very light, and I'd be interested to see if they go into this in more detail because I haven't read the entire run. But something that always intrigued me, which takes place in Return of the Jedi, is Vader trying to get Luke to convert and saying, you and I can destroy the Emperor, and you and I will then run the galaxy. So the idea that Vader is always secretly scheming behind his master's back to get rid of his master, who is like, you know, evil incarnate, that I always found fascinating at one time say, I'm going to save my son, but at the other time, but it's okay if we run the galaxy, then we can run the galaxy. Honestly, I think it's a matter of like, that's the Sith way in this book. It talks about how, you know, Palpatine's plan has been running for 20 years to find replacements for Darth Vader. He's got this clone factory going on. If you're really the baddest bad guy, you'll be able to defeat those. But if not, I've got these clone guys. (laughs) And so that's part of the plotting and scheming. What I think Gillen uh, does the best here is actually showing those sparks of humanity that Luke's able to pull out of him in Jedi. You don't really see a lot of evidence of that in the movies because Darth Vader's so busy being a badass the entire time. It's all just Luke kind of posturing and being hopeful and you don't really see those sparks. But in here, because you can, you have access to his inner monologue, you know, you can see those moments that are, that are turning him. You can see those cracks in the Sith facade, you know, more so than any other adaptation I've seen with Darth Vader in it. And there, there's a lot of stuff in there, too, that gives you the insight to the dynamic between Palpatine and Vader. And you almost feel bad for him because Palpatine is like just poking him and just abusing him. And he's like a lapdog to him. Because I remember being, you know, when I was a kid, the Emperor shows up in Empire Strikes Back for, for like, a, like a projection, you know, for a split second. And you're like, OK, he's pretty scary. And then he shows up in Return of the Jedi and he's this evil old man that Vader bows to. And it's like, why? what is so awful about this? Because there was no background for him. We didn't know. He was just the the, the emperor and he was evil. In, in this, you get a little bit of, of like a like he dangles Padme over him all the time. And he just like he just like eats away at him. And, and, and you know, you, you learn that the suit is constantly painful and like constant like like you you feel bad for anakin inside of that thing because he's just in a constant state of agony and he uses the dark side to sort of balance that and and it all comes down to that scene in the sixth book where he finds out luke's name and has a silent tantrum not really a tantrum but you know what i mean like he He just he has a no moment right no but without that without the no glass almost shatters 
force he's furious at palpatine like that's the moment that he decides that he is going to destroy that man right there yeah because he gave up everything i mean he gave up everything and at the end of the day palpatine lied to him in that moment you want to say something vader and he's like no i just understand us for the first time ever like you don't you don't give a shit about me and that's fine because i'll destroy you i'm gonna get my son and this is all gonna be mine baby all mine i'm gonna get my kid we're gonna kick your ass (laughs) but yeah let's go ahead and get to ratings because i mean we have to get to that movie review in just a second so yeah jay what's our rating scale for these six issues of vader one out of four murder droids. Ooh. <laughs> I love those murder droids so much. They are the best. They are the best. I'm going to go first by just giving this a five murder droids. This is the best Star Wars book I've ever read. From from beginning to end, like this series, these 25 issues is even better than the Jason Aaron Star Wars with the John Cassidy art that's running kind of concurrently. Go back to our last Comic Shop Archives. We did that show last year. This is a better series because you get the characters like the murder bots, because you get that arc with Darth Vader, because he's such an interesting protagonist. Good villains are always so interesting to read. And so you get that in spades in this particular book. So I can't, I can't gush about it enough and I'm not going to. It is a four, five, six, seven best book ever. Period. Cool. J.A. Yeah, I'm also going to give it four murder droids. It reminded me of the Timothy Zahn Star Wars series when there was nothing coming out and then the the Zahn novels hit and it was like this massive breath of fresh air and a reimagining and a carrying on. I mean, for that, after Jedi, of the Star Wars legacy, this is, I think, the best of the new Star Wars stuff that came out after Marvel got the license and, and you know, the, the Disney Star Wars. This is taking everything that people loved about Star Wars, but it's not just a pure nostalgia play. I like how they, they don't forget about the prequels because one of my big issues with the sequels is that they sort of just said, we're going to take everything that we learned in the prequels and chuck it aside they haven't done that they've been respectful of the prequels which are also good movies <laughs> good-ish movies I don't know. my son loves them chad you're not a uh, star wars fan what do you give this yeah i mean this is tough for me because i'll, I'll be honest i kind of hate star wars mm. i feel like the there were three great movies and they've just been taking that franchise and regurgitating and recycling it ever since with that said in this book, we haven't mentioned the art at all. Like, Sal LaRocca was always, like, a pretty good artist. I feel like he levels up in this book. His stuff is fantastic. The story was great. It added nuance. It's one of the few times where Star Wars dipped back into the well, which they do all the time. Uh, and up until these Mandalorian shows and whatnot on Disney, it's been kind of rough. But they go back, they dip into the well, and they actually found ways to add things to make things better. So I'm going to give this a reluctant four. Oh, the Star Wars book in the year of chat. <laughs> All right, Mikey, finish us out. What do you say? Yeah, it's it's a four, too. And the, the other, the other, what's neat about this one, too, and, and it's a problem that I have with the Cassidy, the, the, the Star Wars proper uh, series. There are stories that happen in that that sort of contradict what happens in the movies. You know, like like Luke Skywalker meeting up with Vader in Empire Strikes Back is actually, if you 
use the comics as canon the second time they meet up. And that ruins the whole vibe of the Empire Strikes Back thing because it's, it's, it's not the second time. That's the first time they see each other. And that's, that's how it has to be. This book doesn't do that. There's nothing in there that contradicts anything that happens in the, in the, and, and, and he took good care to, to make sure that none of it does any of, of that. So it's, it's, it's just really, really well done. And it continues on, uh, cause I've read this whole series and this, the volume after it by Charles Sewell, you know, the Vader series, they are all quality. Like they're all really, really good. And, and this is a, beautiful place to start so all right so a unanimous four to start off our movie mayhem show we'll be right back after these commercial breaks with our review of return of the jedi will that get a full four out of four from all of us we'll see stay tuned do your hobbies include comic books movies television and or video games are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd well look no further than the oblivion bar a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles, the Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. It was supposed to be a day at the beach, but for four friends, <laughs> one wrong road will put them on a direct course to being the main course. Her name is Grandma Hazel, a chainsaw wielding psychopathic cannibal. A beast of the backwoods with a body count higher than a bowl of blood-spattered scotch mints. From the creators of Pocus Hocus. Grandma! No! Grandma Chainsaw. Evil as a perm. And we're back, live from the forest moon of Endor. You can hear the squeaking in the bit distance. Those are just Ewoks getting their yubnub on. <laughs> So I think Mikey was talking about his forest moon of Endor earlier. That's right. <laughs> I was. You know, it is Yubna. It is, I mean, anytime yubna. anybody says otherwise, no. Yubna be chopping yub yub. Yeah. <laughs> so we're back to talk Return of the Jedi. It's the 40th right. anniversary of the movie originally coming out in the theater. Uh, something that we will get into in a little bit. Unless you do some legwork, you cannot see as it was 40 years ago, which is not right, Disney, that's not right. I know, I, I figured they'd been waiting to release that and just make all the money. But Jay, mm -hmm. help me out on this because the original version that everybody saw in the theaters in the 80s, that's only available in like a select number of ways. Most of them are gone and defunct now, right? Yeah, so if you want an official release of the way it was shown in the movie theater you would need to either have a vhs copy or a laserdisc copy or it was also packaged on uh, a dvd set they released in like 2006 i believe but that was still not an anamorphic it was a pan scan right. so if you right. put it on a widescreen tv today it's not going to look the same because it's, it's still a four by three aspect ratio with 
right. letterboxing. But those are the ones that I have. And the, the bummer is that the, the original cuts, even though they're the ones that I watch, it's also not remastered and things like that. So it's kind of cool. It looks a little grainy and it looks a little retro. You know, There is hope for folks like you. Not legal hope, obviously. <laughs> but I have some friends that are big Star Wars junkies and they have talked to me about de-specialized editions. J.A., what, what is the de-specialized edition? So this came out uh, maybe almost 10, 10 to 15 years ago now. Uh, this guy, Harmy, took the Blu-ray discs and essentially did movie magic with them using tools like After Effects and Adobe Premiere and recut the movie so it appears like it was in the original so essentially he took the master and then cut out all the specialization stuff all the stuff they added in the 90s when they released specialized versions of the right. movie uh, so what that means is you get rid of the jedi rocks musical number at the beginning the eyebrows come back for anakin and when <laughs> luke takes his helmet off because the eyebrows were digitally erased because you know he went through a fire so his eyebrows would have burned off (laughs) and you get the old anakin force ghost not the hayden christensen anakin force ghost which makes no sense to me yes since then there is another outfit and this is now considered sort of the gold standard it's called project 4k 83 they took and did an 8k scan of a film so they took a film they took one of the kodak films and they scanned the film and then they went through and they meticulously cleaned that scan and now you can download and watch a 4k version of return of the jedi you can also get that for star wars empire strikes back is in the cleaning stage right now asterisk you're not responsible if you go online and find these things yourselves in the trouble yes can we put that disclaimer in here we do not condone such actions house of mouse please do not take but, but us. Un- until until Disney and Lucasfilm puts out the originals. That's the closest you're going to get to watching it on today's standard big LED televisions in 4K resolution is finding these things. Right. I can't believe Disney doesn't want that money. They would make all the money. I guess maybe, maybe, or, or is it just a very small contingent of hardcore Star Wars nerds? Yes, but still, they would still pay for it. Like, yeah, yeah. An official, yeah, an official release. Like the like I would say the majority of people don't really know the difference or care for the difference. And there are actually people out there who prefer the special editions. I I don't know why, but there are. <laughs> That's the thing with Lucas, is that it's it's the story of a man who's more interested in the technology than in actually the story that he's telling. Really, uh, you know. And he just couldn't leave it alone. He just kept going back to it and going back to it and going back to it and going and changing things and tweaking things and making them worse. You know, but he's so adamant about those changes. Yeah. I'm kind of still hoping that he'll have this sort of Spielberg moment. You know, Spielberg released 20 years ago, I guess now it's been a while, maybe uh, he released the E.T. special edition where he got rid of the guns and replaced them with the flashlights and walkie talkies. And and he put in a a CG E.T. and everyone hated it. And and when he released that, by the way, you could when if you bought that disc, you could also still get the original version. It had both since then. 
you know, they've gone through 4K restorations and the thing they just put out for IMAX this year. It's the original. He's he's essentially excised that from the, you can't buy that anymore. If you want right. to get that one with the ET with all the CGI stuff, you have to go to eBay. <laughs> Spielberg <laughs> says there was the biggest mistake he ever made and he refuses to sell it. Yeah, there you go. there's something to be said for art being of its time and for good and for yeah. bad. You just need to yeah. embrace that. Right. It's like the recoloring of comics. Oh, right. We need we need dot and regardless whether we watch the D, the the special edition, the original edition, the D specialized edition, whatever we watched Return of the Jedi for the 40th anniversary. Now Mikey yeah. who worked on this project. Well, you remember you remember all the people in Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. They're in this one too. Um, <laughs> this well, they, they are. So the, the cast returns, you know, Harrison Ford, Luke Skywalker, you know, all those all those people. And uh we get the wonderful Ian McDermott in as Palpatine for the first time. Don't let the special editions fool you. Palpatine in, in Empire Strikes Back was played by a woman in makeup. <laughs> Um, it was directed by uh, Richard Marquand, who also directed a drama called Eye of the Needle. That's the only other thing I know that I believe but, uh, he was yeah. not part of SAG-AFTRA. Uh, so it wasn't SAG-AFTRA, sorry, that's Screen Actors Guild. It was the Directors Guild of America oh. that Lucas and Spielberg were fighting with because he wanted Spielberg to direct it originally. But uh, the DGA said no. And then he went after David Lynch and David Cronenberg. They also said no. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine? So that's why they got him because he yeah. was not in the union. Yeah, and the one, and it was written by Lawrence Kasdan, who also wrote Empire Strikes Back, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Did so he write the big chill. I believe thing. he did. I believe he did. Uh, I, because, well, let's get to the ten cent synopsis yeah. first, just in case you haven't seen. Return of the Jedi, but believe it or not, there's probably people out there that has 40 years. I mean, whatever. I will say this, that this was one of the first movies I can remember seeing in the movie theaters because I saw it four times. Luke Skywalker was my boy and the green lightsaber was my thing. And in this movie, Luke gets Darth Vader to get his groove back. That light side, the force. Yes. Make sure that he throws the Palpatine down in a, an elevator shaft or something. Regardless, Luke does what he was supposed to do, what it's been all building up to, which was redeem his father, because really his father was the only one that could whoop some Palpatine! Oh, wow. And, 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 and there were supposed to be Wookiees. There were supposed to be Wookiees in this film. It was all supposed to happen on Kashyyyk. But then Lucas was like, man, they're never going to buy that Wookiees are primitive because we right. see, you know, Chewbacca flying the Millennium Falcon and stuff. They're not going right. to buy this. So they came up with Ewoks, which I guess is okay. I, I just don't understand why they couldn't have both. You could have had like the Ewoks be like a more primitive tribe on Kashyyyk. They're freaking bear things why can't they have two races of bears on Kashyyyk? well the no. other the other reason being from what i understand is that it was easier to find large numbers of people under five feet tall oh. than it was to find people over six and a half feet tall see and they sell more toys well yeah and honestly it's, like it's baby yoda it's baby yoda yeah. in and big furry 
people may say that they hate them, but I was 10 years old when that movie came out, and the Ewoks were awesome. We yeah. love the Ewoks. The, the Shiners come back on the Ewoks. I used to be like, it would have been so much better to see like a, a Wookiee rip arms off of a stormtrooper in the battle scene. It would have made more sense. Yeah. But at the same time, like, eh, Ewoks. Yeah. Not well, the I mean, that he bears. Really, the, a- the angle could have been that Chewbacca is incredibly intelligent. Uh, I'm a human being and I'm not a mechanic. So he could have just been really, really adept at that kind of stuff. But that's, you know, either way, it was the the Ewoks. They were wonderful. I was yeah. going to ask you, Mikey, if there was one sequence from Return of the Jedi, which is your favorite, what would it be? You know what? Honestly, I have a soft spot for the whole skiff scene. You know, Lando falls into the pit, and, oh, and, yes. and Han Solo's half blind, and he's shooting around, and then, like, people seem to hate this part, but I loved it. Like, Boba Fett is this super badass, and he just he just goes out like a clawed. Yeah, he gets and America's I, Funniest Home Videos. Out of the yeah, and I, I loved it, though, because it just it just shows that literally anything can happen. So many people were so disappointed in that, uh, but when I was a kid, I just thought it was hilarious. Like that whole build up, and then when when Luke gives the little salute to 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 R two, and the oh, lightsaber yes. shoots out of R two, and he does the whole Mark Spitz thing with the diving board, and it's just, <laughs> just so good. How many signals did Luke have time to give? What the heck was up with Java? He's like <laughs> yeah. Luke signaling R two. He's doing this. He's winking over there. Yeah. He's giving handshakes well, here. And- Java was distracted by by Leia. <laughs> I know, right? It's sad that Han Solo was blind while she was wearing that. What say you, J.A.? I mean, to go from the high, not only the high of the original series, probably the high of all of Star Wars for most people of in Empire Strikes Back, to then come to Return of the Jedi, it felt a bit of a retread, something that we would get over and over again with the sequel trilogies, another Death Star, another Trench Run... So those bits, I think, draw it back a bit. You were mentioning about the Wookiees. It would have been better if it had been Wookiees and not Ewoks, and they're not trying to sell toys. And and by the way, those Ewoks, they're even more formidable than the Viet Cong. I think there was one Ewok death (laughs) to a whole battalion of stormtroopers. Man, those speeder bike guys would just bite it left and right. They didn't care anymore. The stormtroopers couldn't see anything. They were like, this hot as balls out here. We only losers. Oh, lordy. Hey, and by the way, did Ewoks eat them? I mean, do these murder bears (laughs) flat out eat people? And they just did because yes, they were going to roast Han. Han Solo. That is a good point. They are cannibals. That's not cannibalism. Yeah, they're not eating their own kind. They're eating us. Like we're okay. they're bears. They're adorable <laughs> murder bears. Right. They could be like we're sandwiches to them. We just happened that you know C three PO was their golden god, and so they were like, yeah, fine, we won't eat you. But I guarantee that's where all those helmets came from. They're like. Yummy brains a whole. <laughs> I just like three PO like almost as an aside. It's like they're gonna prepare you as a feast for me. <laughs> but they didn't eat Leia. They liked Leia. She uh, shared her banana or whatever it was. I'm gonna be a Star Wars nerd here for a second. They just for a second. Leia. This this whole episode has a bit of Star Wars nerd. Because they didn't eat Leia because Leia is force sensitive, although she may not know it, and she was able to. You know, that's what they say about the forcey stuff. Like, you can commune with other life forms, right? 
that was the first one you saw in the theaters, right? Like me. Like, that was the first one you saw in the theaters was Return of the Jedi. I do believe, yes. Uh, Well, I saw all of them in the theaters because even when Return came out, they re-released the other ones originally in the theaters as well. So I saw Star Wars in its original... And I saw Empire in the theater, but in the original run, theatrical run, only Return of the Jedi. But and and you don't like it? I, I it's not that I don't like it. I just think of the three. It's the weakest of the first three. Chad. Yeah, I I will agree on that front. Where this is where the Star Wars franchise shows its bones, where it just starts repeating stuff and just starts living off of prior conquests and like. Empire was such a high note, and then you get to this, and it's fun, and it has that spirit of serialized storytelling where, like, you have your separate adventures, and but it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of just rehashing, which is what the Star Wars universe does uh, ad nauseum in my mind. With that said, I enjoyed it. It, it, For years, I've been knocking this movie as the the lesser of the trilogy. I, I don't know whether it was because... Uh, in these modern times, I was watching it on my cell phone and I had the smaller screen and the more intimate thing as opposed to the giant theatrical experience. But uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, one clip at a time, you know, 20 minutes here, half an hour there. I love the Ewoks. I've always loved the Ewoks. I, even when people are like, oh, they should have been. No, they should have been Ewoks. They're adorable murder bears. <laughs> Did all the things, I guess, that Star Wars movies are supposed to do. Was it a great movie? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a masterpiece. But uh, it sure did sell a lot of toys. And for the two hours I was there with that movie, uh, spaced out over you know a couple of different sittings, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, uh, as my final thoughts before we get into our ratings of Return of the Jedi, I am going to say that I prefer Return of the Jedi more than Star Wars. Yeah, New Hope. I do not like New Hope as much as I like Return of the Jedi. I like Empire Strikes Back, and I love everything with Jabba's Palace. In Return of the Jedi. That's like one of my favorite sequences of all time in any Star Wars movie. But I I think, honestly, that Star Wars can be a little bit boring at times, especially like the beginning. You're just following the droids around. Like, who cares? This you have like lightsaber battles and space battles. It's all cool. Like, I, I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, there's something about that first Star Wars where it doesn't feel like a complete movie to me. And I couldn't imagine being in the theaters and like seeing that story and be like, wait, that's it? I don't know. It just cuts off way too soon, or there's something. Let's get to our ratings of Return of the Jedi. And this might be, again, a rehash of what we've said already, but what is the rating scale for this movie, J.A.? Oh, well, it's got to be murder bears. We had murder <laughs> droids, and then we have murder bears. That's true. That is true. They're adorable. I had one growing up. I had a wicket. It was quite nice, actually. But yeah, I, I think I'll go first. I'm going to give this uh, a four. Because basically I give all of the Star Wars original trilogies fours. They are three uh, of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, I think that all three of the Star Wars movies are in my top ten. That with Raiders of the Lost Ark and the original Godfather and and, then Duck Soup. I think those make up like basically my favorite movies of all time. Maybe Outlaw Josie Wales, maybe A Magnificent Seven. But that's pretty much it. So to have all three, it's, it's a four. You can say it's repetitive or whatever. It's still the best of the Star Wars-ness out there. You like uh, it even more than Empire. And, well, Empire is a four, too. Like, oh, I'm not okay. going to say it's better than... Empire is the best, right. but, I'm, I'm, okay. but I'm not going to say... 
Well, you just said it was the best of the Star Wars. Yeah, like the best of the Star Wars is is that those three movies. That's the best of the Star Wars. The original trilogies. Yeah, the original trilogy. Like that's he's lumping it all in and it's combining. Yes, he's he's it's it's a retrospective ranking because it's not ranking the movies based on sort of the three. Where do you put it? Or just in itself, he's saying, as part of that original trilogy whole, now that we have this much larger Star Wars universe, they stand on the pedestal. Yes. Do you agree and, with that? And I agree with your assessment of that, that sort of looking at the original three in that respect. It's not as good as Empire. I don't even think it's as good as the original Star Wars. That being said, uh, to go back to that whole conversation we had of unaltered trilogy versus special edition versus Harmy's despecialized edition versus the now 4K83, which I, you know, if you can find that, that's probably the way I would recommend watching it. The reason why there's all of this, all these people trying to restore it and, and fix and remaster this is because they're trying to capture that moment that je ne sais quoi they had when they saw the movie in the movie theater for the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time in 1983 with sny snoodles singing lap the neck and bouncing around as a puppet instead of the horrible cgi jedi rocks with the ending and yub nub see it warts and all cry when the one ewok dies jump for joy when the entire battalion of stormtroopers go down like the punks they are <laughs> enjoy the character arc that is actually quite moving with luke saving darth vader and returning him to the force and that epic lightsaber battle to me still the greatest saber battle ever recorded on film for star wars even better than any of the new stuff even better than duel of the fates all right, Chad, you're up. Yeah, so I I don't worship in the altar of Star Wars. I think they're good movies, but I do see Jay's point where they, they've been messed with a little too much, where it's no longer a pure experience. And this movie, like I said, it reveals the warts of a franchise that just is a nostalgia machine. You know, everybody worships this first the first trilogy, but even in this third movie, they're already recycling ideas. They're already going back, and it's like, oh... And uh, and there are parts of this, like with Luke, I don't know if I like super confident Luke. He goes from being real whiny in the first movie to being like, I don't know, just talking a job. I like, it was was off for me. But but like I said, I enjoyed it. For my two hours that I watched it, it was fun. I think the further you get away from George Lucas as a storyteller, the better the movies are. And that's why Empire is such, like, better than the other two in the original trilogy and way better than the prequels. Uh, but in this one, you could see George Lucas's hands all through it, and George Lucas's hands coming back and messing with it even more. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with three murder bears. Okay, so Mikey, what's your rating for Return of the Jedi? Oh, I mean, Return of the Jedi is, is it's not the best of the original three, um, but it's still quite wonderful. So I'm, I'm going to give it a, like a strong three. The redemption story arc, I like when you get zapped and you could see a skull in the helmet. That was pretty cool. It just it just worked really well, you know, and that's from ten year old me and almost fifty year old me next month. Wow! 
we should have an anniversary show just for you, buddy. I'm older than Ian McDermott was when he played Palpatine. Well, and you're much better looking, too. I'll That's say okay. that. Much. <laughs> Thank you. But you're much kinder. Well, we'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop right after these commercial breaks. Uh, we're going to have some recommendations. So stick around for that. Hey everyone, Brian Thomas here from the former The Batman vs. James Bond show and the upcoming The Night Cave show. Do you like noir, black and white, gritty murder mysteries? Do you like crime stories or even pulp comics? Then you're going to love Nick Palatichuk's debut graphic novel entitled The Greenway. It's 1968, and Butch Schultz, a black market merchant, finds that his friend has been murdered in a mansion in St. Paul. Now he is out looking for who did it, while the city's best detectives are on the case. Nick's graphic novel is already getting rave reviews, let me tell you. Zero Supervision Comics Podcast says, A dark, intriguing story that makes you want to know more. The Glenn Thinks Stuff Podcast says, It's explosive, captivating, and alluring. And actor Kyle Hester from The Chair, Zombie with a Shotgun, and Preacher Six says, can't wait for this book. You got to get on this. Order your copy today at Indie Planet, A New World of Comics. That's www.indieplanet.com. Hard copies, digital copies are available, and now digital copies are only $5. That's where I said it, just $5. So make sure you order yours today. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for recommendations. Yes, that time of every single show where we stop talking about Star Wars for just a little bit so that we can give you potentially other comic books. Maybe they'll be Star Wars related. Uh, Who knows? But at least mine's not, uh, that you can pick up at your local comic book shop. In addition to the Darth Vader series, which I think not only can you get in trades and issues, I think it's also an omnibus now, which is pretty cool. Pick up that one. Pick up the uh, Jason Aaron omnibus while you're at it. Put those both on your bookshelf. Vader Down actually does cross over between the two, which is awesome. Some of the best Star Wars out there. But yes, Vader's got that line in that book where he says, all I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men. Vader, put down your weapons. You're surrounded. And he's like, oh, yeah? (laughs) It is great. It is good. Put them on your shelf if you are a Star Wars fan. But put these other things on your shelf as well. And we're going to start off with Mikey Wood. So, Mikey, what do you got for recommendations this week? You know what? I'm actually going to to recommend a bunch of books. If one is able to, I highly, and it is Star Wars related, I highly recommend that one purchases via either eBay or Amazon, I believe they're still in some form of print, any and all of the art of Star Wars books, the art of Star Wars, the art of A New Hope, the art of Empire Strikes Back, the art of Return of the Jedi, the art of the blah, 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 all the way down the line. They even have the art of Galaxy's Edge and the art of Star Wars Visions and the art, two volumes of the art of Mandalorian, books of production artwork, all of the design elements that went into the making of these films. Uh, and and the early ones are hilarious because they're like really si- I mean you've got Ralph McQuarrie's beautiful paintings and everything but you've also got really simple pen sketches for from uh the costumers and things like that like like just wonderful and and you could see the advancement of the technology of production art and you could see all of these fabulous things that they chose not to use and you'll think to yourself why didn't they use that and you know it's just an incredible, incredible experience, and I highly recommend them. And hardcover and soft cover, just really, really, really cool stuff. I remember you brought up Ralph McQuarrie. I remember when they made action figures of his original designs. Yes. And they were like Toys R Us exclusives. You could buy the collections in there. 
but they look so cool. They were so much more Flash Gordon. Very much so. Very, than, and that, I mean, that's from the 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 other the Star Wars that we all oh yeah struggle well, through. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> that is not a recommendation. But well, a lot of the Rebels cartoon actually used used Macquarie designs that that they abandoned from the first yes. era. Yeah, brought, it's just it's just they're so fabulous these books. But anyway, all right. Well, if you yeah. if we're not recommending that book, Chad, what are we recommending from you? As we've alluded to, I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy out there. I like the movies and stuff just fine, but I worry that sometimes some of those Star Wars fans are just the worst. Yeah, no, what they did to the Kelly Tran and uh, Jar Jar, oh, yeah. who I really wish they would have brought Jar Jar back as a Sith Lord and said, no, he's a new Jedi, whatever. But anywho, so I- I'm going to go off the beaten path, much like Star Wars folks, you know, fall into Star Wars and they love all the little minutiae and all the other stuff. Um, I stumbled onto a book one day at Ollie's. Really good stuff, cheap. I love Ollie's. But uh, it was called Bix. But it's it's mostly wordless, except for in the middle, there's a couple scenes with his his wife where they're talking about things. But it is about Leon Bix Biederbeck. And I hope I'm saying that name correctly. Uh, he was a jazz soloist in the 1920s who ended up working with people like Louis Armstrong. He suffered from alcoholism and it shows his decline and gets, you know, you have these incredible jazz scenes in, in certain parts and then other parts you see him hallucinating things and getting the tremors and all that kind of stuff. But it was such a, a, a well-crafted read. Um, it was all done by a gentleman named Scott Chandler, uh, mostly black and white, but it, it's, it was just such an experience. And after I was done, I fell into this rabbit hole of listening to Bix Bicker B's 1920 jazz music and like that's all I did for like two weeks straight like it brought me the same level of joy as talking about super tie fighters brings to Star Wars nerds <laughs> but uh but yeah so my recommendation is that Bix book by Scott Chandler it's yeah. just so great well I'm gonna have to check that out and that's something else that you should check out if you're into the whole space epics yet you don't want to get more Star Wars, go back to Marvel, because Marvel has a lot of space epics that don't involve galaxies far, far away, but involve galaxies within the 616. And we're talking about one of the first major space battle stories in Marvel continuity, and that is the Kree-Skrull War. Yes, those issues of Avengers, starting with Avengers 89, all the way through 97. This was written all by Roy Thomas in the early 70s. Artwork by the wonderful John Buscema, by Neil Adams, Sal Buscema. Current comic book fans might cry about the fact that actually the Skrulls and the Kree barely fight in this, but that's actually the point for me. Uh, It's the fact that like The Avengers and Earth are so on the peripheral of anything going on in the space cosmic side of Marvel at this point that, like, nobody would care what was going on on Earth. They would just be like the Aleutians in World War II. They're just an island chain. It's a battlefield, but it's not minor battlefield. So you don't really get so much uh, space battles, although the Avengers eventually go into space for a little while. But what you do get uh, are some really great issues by Neil Adams. Uh, again, you get that issue where Ant-Man goes into the Vision's body to save his life or something. And it's just wonderful stuff. Uh, some of the best Neil Adams is still some of that early Neil Adams. 
when he just kind of blew the lid off of everything that was going on in comic books at the time with those layouts. And you can get all of this now in a huge, nicely bound gallery edition that just came out in comic book shops about two months ago. Uh, so make sure that you're picking up the Crease Grow War Avengers in that gallery edition. It's also got some nice extras, some original pencil work and original uh, designs from uh, Neil Adams and John Buscema and uh, Sal Buscema. So uh, just a really nice uh, way of, again, repackaging one of my favorite stories in Marvel continuity. Anyways, J.A., uh, what is your recommendation this week? I am recommending more Vader. That is right. Ooh. Star Wars, Darth Vader, and the Lost Command. Now, this is Legends. So this was the Dark Horse that Disney decided, eh, we're not going to count that. Yeah. Uh, this came out in 2015. It is not dissimilar to the book that we just read in that it takes place after a massive event this event being the death of padme and the creation of darth vader so he is tasked on a mission to locate a lost imperial expeditionary force that has been led by tarkin's son and he goes off and he has to go into this nebula to find tarkin's son and but it's also setting up that tarkin is rising in the eyes of the empire and it's there's sort of this tarkin versus vader for you know, supremacy within the Empire. And he's got traitors on his ship that are reporting to Tarkin and trying to do him wrong. And he's trying to figure this all out. And there's this quasi-religious lady, Sorrow, that's around. It's a great story. It's one that's told back when writers had a lot more carte blanche of what they could do with the Star Wars franchise, which I think has been lost a bit um, now that Lucasfilm has this sort of map of you know where you can go with star wars it means that there's not as much continuity errors but it also means that writers sometimes i think get a little bit pigeonholed and they can't explore fun exciting things that have nothing to do with canon very cool so again star wars darth vader and the lost command by w hayden blackman and sunio sanda marvel puts it out as a trade you can get it um on Comixology, again, it's more Star Wars Legends at the okay. moment. So. I, I, I'm going to check out that book for sure. And I hope that you check out a lot of other books over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. We don't have books there, but we've got tons of book reviews because every single week on this program, you get another one. And we've got over 100 episodes available in Evergreen for your downloading pleasure. Just rate, review, and subscribe on any of those podcasting platforms. And you, too, can listen to tons of our great comic book talk. And if you need things to keep your comic book safe, head on over to bcwsupplies.com. Uh, you can find long boxes and short boxes and bags and boards and, and those, those wonderful self-adhesive bags that are the best because you don't have to use tape. Or if you want to use tape, get the ones that need tape. You can get all of that. And you can get a wonderful 10% off your total by using our special promo code, which is LCSPOD. Uh, and that's at bcwsupplies.com. And you can always find us on the social medias. We are on places like Twitter and Instagram and Tickety Talks and Spoutable. Spoutable and Hive. We have an account on Hive. I don't update it. Do we have the Mastodon yet? Uh, no, I, I got a soft band from that one. Sorry. 
There were sign-up issues. It was very complicated. We just want someplace where we can promote our podcast, right? Like, I don't know how this became so complicated. Anyway, wherever you go, look at Last Comic Shop. And we'll give you links where they can find what else, J.A.? We have a link to our merch store. You can get t-shirts, coffee mugs, tote bags. This week, a special on Endor Forest ponchos. Everybody had their special poncho. Yeah, remember that, because the last comic shop, we don't give up our merch rights. We learned that from George Lucas. That's how you make your real dollars. On the merch. Where Kenner screwed the pooch. They had, like, the best deal ever. All they had to do was make, like, a thousand little plastic toys, and they would have kept that licensing forever. How many were they short of? Well, they just stopped. They stopped making them for a couple of years, and then they lost the license. The license went out. They hasbro i think ended up buying it back when hasbro got kenner but it's a it's a really interesting story i think there's a couple of documentaries that talk about it uh, one on netflix saying the toys that made us i think goes into it a bit there you go i'm still bitter that lucas or wouldn't let uh, mel brooks make Spaceballs toys <laughs> and so while we love being the last comic shop podcast you need we don't actually want to be the last comic shop so we encourage everybody go out to those shops near you Go to www.comicshoplocator.com. You can find a place near you where you can get things like the Star Wars Darth Vader book we talked about. You could get all the other books we, rec- we recommended this week. We don't have time to list them all. We're running out of time. <laughs> Got to get moving. Uh, all right. And do your thing. <laughs> all right. And we hope that also you're tuning in on May the 20th for our segment on the live stream for The Cure. If You may or may not know that we are... Uh, again, a part of that wonderful event to help raise money for cancer research. We're going to be reviewing a bonus comic book from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Uh, so if you're at a computer or a smart device or anything that you can, I don't know, log into their website and check it out, make sure that you do and bring your checkbook so that you can help donate to this very, very worthy cause. That's right. It's a live interactive show. So if you ever wanted to ask us questions mid-show, try and throw us off, you can do that. And in the process, you can donate for a wonderful cause to help raise funds for cancer research. So help us do good things by doing good things, then all the good things will happen. Yeah, absolutely. We might be even giving away a free t-shirt or two or three to those people that like, you know, donate, open up those pocketbooks, free t-shirts from the last comic shop. You know it. That Slow sweet, it down, Andrew. That sweet logo from Mikey Wood. Oh yeah, get some Heck artwork. Yeah. And well, and and Jay, you know, yes, that's color. true. Yeah, let's not forget that. But in any case, we hope that you come back to the last comic shop at our regular time next week. We're going to be reviewing the new Guardian of the Galaxy movie to continue our movie mayhem. Until next week, I was the host with most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the wonderful Mikey Wood. And we hope that you stay safe. And may the force be with y'all. Yeah, yes, exactly. May the force be with you always and also with you. Ha ha ha, you're on fire and also dead. That's right. That's right. So in all the special editions, in all the edits, in all the changes George Lucas made to Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett still goes out like a jobber. He goes out like a punk!
The last comic shop was a 2023 Black Angus production.